It's the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores. Capital Mazda, Stevens Creek Mazda, Concord Mazda, and Team Mazda. Hey, it's Sean Del Grand. And we've got over 800 brand new Mazdas with outstanding incentives, like low monthly lease payments and low APR financing. Yep, it's just a great time to buy. So don't miss the Memorial Day sales event at the DGDG Mazda stores in San Jose, Concord, and Vallejo. Financing on approval of credit. We're getting you ready for the game on The Build-Up with news from around the league, interviews, highlights, and more. Here's your host, Ted Ramey. I'm happy about it. I think that's great. I think that's uh, when guys get on each other or there's emotion or there's, uh, you know, guys are uh, trying to hold each other accountable, especially your captain. Um, it shows that, uh, you know, that these guys are, these guys are as, as pissed off as anybody else and, and they don't like losing um, and they're sick of it. And I think they're trying to find a way to get out of it. We all are. And uh, that's emotions boiling over. And that's a, that's a good thing for your, from a coaching standpoint. And, and you wish you had more of it. I really do. I think that's, uh, um, that's a tool that, you know, um, watching guys compete in practice today was a good positive sign how hard guys are going. And, you know, I like it. So if you ask me my comment about it, I'm glad that uh, whatever the conversation was, um, you know, that should happen. That just shows they care. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome to the buildup as we get ready for tonight's game. Revenge in Nashville, as I have dubbed it just now. Clearly, no creative thought went into that uh, because really, that's really all I want. I just don't like teams to come into San Jose's house, beat them 8 nothing, and have there be no repercussions. Because I remember how the guys were after that game, and I like to think that it was somewhat of a turning point for the Sharks when that was the low point of the season. Because if we go back to that game on the 5th, losing 8 nothing, they lost in overtime the next night, then they beat the Kings two games in a row, lost to Florida in overtime, lost to the Kings, lost to the Avs, and yeah, that brings us kind of uh, up to where we are now, where we've had a win against Calgary, Arizona, and Anaheim in there, but for the most part, it's been some losses, but that was kind of a, a worse level of play, in my opinion, wh whatever you want to make of that. And yes, I know who's writing the checks, but at the same time, they have been better since that Nashville game. That's not to say that the Sharks have in any way, shape, or form been great. But I do agree with Bob Bugner there, and I, I didn't think that that little camera pan over to Logan Couture and Eric Carlson and Brent Burns kind of yelling at each other after the game was going to turn into what it did. I thought it was just kind of you know, what happens in a game like that? And there was, you know, some sort of misunderstanding. And I'm 100% in line with what Bob Bugner thinks there and that it's good to see. I want to see Logan Couture getting angry. I want to see Eric Carlson, Brent Burns, all those guys. You need your captain speaking up. There was some sort of communication and you want them to be pissed off about the losing. 1,000% totally on board with that. This wasn't like out of control. This wasn't like some sort of you know, like team-wide, you know, brawl like we hear about with the 72, 73, 74 A's like used to happen then. And sometimes that type of disharmony can actually work for a team. But this was just, you know, there was anger. They thought they had a chance to tie it late. Communication was not perfect. It ended up with them not being able to find the back of the net and, you know, get one goal and send it to overtime. And that's that's how it goes. I, you know, I, I totally understand. It's a 3-2 game at that point. You pulled your goalie. You're giving it a last gasp effort to try and get a puck in the back of the net. It didn't work out. And again, 
I want these guys to be upset about losing. I want them to not be okay with those results. I want them to be angry. And you look no further than what goes on with the Golden State Warriors. Watch how often Draymond Green complains about guys and will be very demonstrative and very, very angry. And even though Steph Curry is the superstar to lead all superstars on the squad, the captain is Draymond Green, in my opinion. You know, you can talk about Andre Iguodala. Listen, this isn't a Warriors podcast, but the fact is, he has that clout and that ability to where if he's going to light up a guy, it's not seen as earth shattering. It's seen as, hey, Draymond cares. He needs more from you. His instincts are right in this instance or his desire to try and show some sort of emotion is the right play here and he's going to let it go. And again, no problem with that on my end. I totally understand why it happens. I'm just a little bit surprised that people seem to be you know, so reactionary towards it because I think it was the right thing to see in the moment. Well, I think that the concern was was the time on the clock, and and I think Cooch was saying if someone uh, should yell to him there and let him know, um, you know, instead of him just whipping that around. And I think obviously the puck got thrown down the ice, and there's, uh, um, you know, Carly didn't come back, and he stayed at the far blue line. And I think that pissed Cooch off a bit. I think that, uh, um, you know, and and that's good. I'm glad they get in each other's faces, and it should happen that way. And I'd be, I'd be, uh, I really be. Uh, um, skeptical if it didn't this is why i'm a bob bugner fan is that he's not so far the removed from the game that he forgets what it's like he you know he's talking about this like he is still a player and i trust bugner's instincts and i like what he has to say on the matter and you know again miscommunications happen what's problematic is if the same problems keep on happening time and time again and i think that's what the sharks have done you know pretty well to avoid all year long now all year long new problems have popped up because they don't have the depth that they need, and it's obviously impacting them over the course of 60 minutes of hockey, but they seem to be pretty good at rectifying mistakes and making sure they don't happen again, because that's what you're supposed to be doing. You are supposed to be able to find the right way to go about things. You're supposed to be able to find a way to get through this. And again, I don't take any issue with these guys getting angry. I would, like Bugner, take more issue if there was a miscommunication out there or if there was a play that didn't work out the way they wanted it to and they were just indifferent and walked off the ice. And that I would have had much more of a reaction to. I would have had much, much more of a reaction to indifference than I would have passion. And I think that everybody who's ever played sports, I think that everybody's ever been a fan of sports for long enough, is that when you see a team that is indifferent, when you see a team that has gone from one polar end to not even you know a team that's tearing themselves apart but just indifferent, that's when the problem comes. That's when there's real, real trouble. Right now, this is a Sharks team with a lot of pride that wants to be better. And it it's not just going to be what you get out there on the ice from Logan Couture or any individual superstar. It's you need everybody. But you do need your individual superstars to play better hockey, like Eric Carlson, for instance. You know, I think that his game has had a little bit of a downtrend as of late, and that needs to change. Uh, I think when he first came back, he was, uh, he was good. I think he was, uh, um, you know, he helped us out. We struggled without him. And then, you know, we, when he came back, we, uh, you know, we started playing better as a team. Um, you know, as of late, I think that uh, uh, his game could be better. I think that, uh, um, you know, I want to see uh, uh, more urgency and, and more, uh, um, you know, more, more emotion in his game. I think that, uh, you know, at this time of the season, um, you know, I've asked all the veterans that, you know, to empty the tank and, and, and set a standard. And uh, uh, there's been a lot of nights, a lot of those guys have, and I think some nights they haven't. And, uh, um, you know, he's part of that group. 
And so um, I think that, uh, um, you know, he, he could be, um, he has the ability to change a game um, with the way he plays. I can't say that about a lot of guys. Um, so we rely on him to be, uh, you know, our best player every night. We hope to be anyway. And, uh, um, you know, when he's not, then that's when our team will struggle. And the exact same thing could be said about any of the superstars, that if they go through individual troubles, the team as a whole will falter and not be capable of playing as well. This is not pick on Eric Carlson time. It's just a very obvious reality of the Sharks. They need their superstars to be their superstars. The thing about Eric Carlson individually is the way the puck moves through him, his ability to transport it from one end to the other. When he's had these turnovers at the blue line, giving it over in the Sharks' own end at times, and it's ended up in the back of the net. It's like, that's the problems that you can't have. You can have Eric Carlson, and I know we all get ticked off about this, but when Eric Carlson tries to make a play happen, tries to force it, and then ends up turning it over, I can at least understand that you give Eric Carlson the benefit of the doubt that he saw something, and that sometimes he will make that incredible home run pass, and it will set up you know, as someone for a goal, and it'll just be a moment of brilliance that you can't ask um, of anyone else in the NHL because Carlson has unique vision. He has unique skating ability. He has a lot of unique talents that almost no one else can ask for. It's that when he makes the mistakes that he does, it just seems that there is that much more of a, of a, it, it hurts you more when Eric Carlson makes those mistakes. And I, I don't think he's been trying to make home run plays when he's made these mistakes. I think he's just been kind of sloppy. I think he's just been not as tight as he needs to be at certain points of the game. And that's something that's got to change. Obviously he's got to be better in that capacity. And I think that hopefully this is just a downward trend and he can pull it himself out of it. And I also think that there is probably a factor of, you know, when you watch your goals at the start of the year, this team wanted to get to the playoffs. That's not happening. So when those goals disappear, you start feeling it a little bit more as a player. You start looking at what's going on and you feel like you just, maybe you don't need to be as sharp because you're not battling for the same type of um, opportunity that you were earlier in the year. And I think that that's got to be the captain's job is to keep those thoughts out of everybody's mind because I think Eric Carlson, when the stage is the biggest, that's when he shines the brightest. And I think that also conversely or inversely, I don't know how we exactly look at this, but when the stage is plunked down a few levels, we also don't see the same type of performance from him. And I think that that's probably, you know, that's, he's been through the, he's been through a lot of losing. I'll put it that way. And I think that when he came to the sharks, he thought it was going to be nothing but competing for Stanley cups. And that's obviously not the way that this has worked out. And he's got to be part of the solution. Eric Carlson for the sharks to get back to the playoffs and get back to contention. He has to be part of the solution. He can't be a problem. We say the exact same thing about Timo Meyer last year. Timo Meyer was a problem. He wasn't good enough. Last year, Eric Carlson wasn't good enough. When Eric Carlson got going this year before he was injured, he was having his best year as a Shark or on par with what we expected from him to have. You know, Timo Meyer did respond. I hope next year that Eric Carlson is able to be exactly the type of player he was before the injury. I hope that Kevin LeBanc is able to be the same player that he was in the 2018-2019 campaign. I hope that you know you can go down the list and talk about all these players that you have these high expectations from. They all need to meet those expectations while your younger players and new acquisitions get better. But tonight, the focus has got to be on playing against a Nashville team that has a lot to play for, and the Sharks also have to be ready for that. They have to be prepared. Bob Bugner offered some insight on that and whether or not he is viewing it as a revenge game the way that uh, well, the petty old me is. It, meeting today more about... Uh, um... Not that last game that we played, but where they're at in the standings right now, what this game means for them tomorrow, uh, what kind of team they have, uh, um, you know, the identity that they forged out, obviously a physical team, uh, a team that has sort of a Wolfpack mentality. 
um, you know, and talked about, you know, our starts of late, you know, Edmonton was decent, but Dallas wasn't, you know, Calgary gave up the first goal on a bit of a turnover at our own blue line. Um, the first two, three shifts against Vancouver the other night, as the game went on, we got better and we competed and we were in the game and all those things. But, you know, those first few shifts of the game, trying to be, uh, um, you know, trying to, to be able to dictate the pace a little better. And, uh, we didn't do a good job in Vancouver. Um, and I said, the message tomorrow is if you're going to come into this building with everything on the line for this team uh, and how they've played for each other this year, um, the game will be over before it starts. And um, so that was the message. And, uh, um, you know, hopefully guys get some rest today. We had a hard practice. We uh, um, had a lot of uh, um, compete in our drills and that was the purpose of building out that practice today. It was, is getting ready for uh, what I think is going to be a, a, a extreme intense game um, and, and a physical game. And of course the sharks can do themselves a huge favor if they can get their offense going, which is something Bob Bugner was asked about whether or not he thinks this team is capable of scoring more goals. I think we can create more. I think there's been games where we have, uh, produced enough i mean our target last game i think um i just got done looking at it this morning i think it was nine seven us for inner slot against vancouver something in that area um you know we gave three off the rush and we created four outnumbered rushes so um i'd like to see us create more than than you know 11 12 13 chances is you know for our team realistically if we can get over 12 a night um that's that's a good number for us um you know we've been we've been real decent at um, defending and, and limiting chances for me, it's the big turnovers or the big mistakes that are costing more than anything else. But, uh, um, yeah, trying to outscore our opponents, uh, or outscore our mistakes has been our issue all year. And, uh, you know, that we can't ever seem to get across and get that third goal we need once we get the second one. And that's important. It's the momentum goals, what time of the, the game we're scoring. So, um, you know, defending is, is, will have to stay the same where obviously it's not going to change. That's our, that's, that's how we play. But, uh, you know, generating a little more. And we talked about that today. There was six or seven clips I showed the, the the players this morning where I thought we could have shot instead of try to force a pass last game. One of them resulted in a goal against on the uh, Timo Tamario drop pass. Uh, those are instances when we have guys going to the net that we have to have more shot volume. Uh, the games where we're over 50 into the 60s for shot, shot attempts, um, that seems to create obviously more, more offense. The games that were in, you know, the 30s and 40s, um, so the point of the meeting this morning was showing six or seven clips where we could have shot the puck and maybe created a second and third. And I think that's got to be our mentality more. Um, I think that's, we got to be able to create more ugly goals, um, more second and third chance goals. Yeah. And everything he said is right. The sharks need to put pucks in the back of the net when all is said and done, whether they're ugly, whether they're pretty, however it happens, the sharks need to get those goals. Uh, big news happening today with the sharks, or I should say the future of the sharks and thusly the Barracuda. And I will read the release here or quote it. The San Jose Barracuda, the top development affiliate of the San Jose Sharks and general manager Joe Will announced today that the team has signed center Thomas Bordalo to an amateur tryout agreement. The quote from assistant GM Tim Burke says, We are very proud of all that Thomas has accomplished during his two years at Michigan and are excited to have him join the Barracuda and play some professional games. Bordelow did just finish his sophomore season at Michigan, helping guide the Wolverines to a Frozen Four appearance in which he scored to force overtime in an eventual 3-2 loss to Denver in the semifinal. On a Michigan team that featured seven first-rounders, Bordelow finished tied for fourth in points, fifth in goals, third in assists, and sixth 
in plus minus. In the 2020-2021 season, Bordalo was the recipient of the Tim Taylor Award, given out annually to the best first-year player in NCAA Division I men's hockey after leading all freshmen in scoring with 30 points, 8 goals, and 22 assists. He finished his NCAA career with 67 points in 61 games. The Sharks drafted Bordalo in the second round, 38th overall of the 2020 draft. Now, in talking to people that have seen him play at the collegiate level, they are all very, very excited about what Bordalo can do. And, you know, I've talked to the the beat writer for the uh, Red Wings for The Athletic, and I've talked to some other people who've had a chance to go and watch him play, and uh, they're all very, very excited. And one of the things that I really like about him is just his body positioning when he receives the puck, and it's actually something that I've looked at with um, Weisblatt, uh, and also Bordalo, and I think also, I can't remember who the other one I was looking at earlier this year around the developmental camp um, when I was just going over film of a lot of young guys. But, you know, th- there's something about the way that Bordalo in particular, his body positioning when he's receiving the puck, his ability to receive and go and receive and just be positioned well, that was what was so astounding to me beyond the obvious attributes he has in terms of his skill set. But there was a maturity to how he received the puck and was ready to go to his next move, whether it was a pass, whether it was a shot, whether it was to skate, just ultimate readiness. And I think that's very, very exciting because that shows maturity. It shows that his game is already at a certain level. And, uh, you know, I, I didn't see as much of a Mario Ferraro before he came and joined the Sharks, but it was something that I did see in Ferraro. His positioning wasn't as good as Bordelow's, but he did just receive the puck and looked like there was conviction in what his next move was going to be. And that was something that I saw when I watched the um, Prospects game earlier this year in the summer, or last summer, I should say now. God, it's April now. But you saw there was um, a lack of conviction in some guys and there a lack of willingness to be an antagonist, a little bit of hesitation. They didn't really know they didn't have the confidence overall in their games. And that's something that I see with Bordalo. It's something that I see with Weisblatt. It's something that, you know, it takes a little bit of time to develop. And that was what was such a difference maker for me with Mario Ferraro. Obviously physical freak, but he was just able to receive the puck and seemed like he knew exactly what he wanted to do next. There was no hesitation. There was no delay. And it's, again, that word I keep on coming to, conviction. So we will see what we're going to get now from Thomas Bordalo. And if you're not listening To Nick Nolenberger's calls of the Barracuda Games here on the Sharks Audio Network. Now you've got a very good reason to do so. You can start hearing Thomas Bordalo as a part of the action for the San Jose Barracuda. And hopefully sooner rather than later, the San Jose Sharks. Because again, what have we talked about consistently over the second half of the season when it became more and more clear that the Sharks were not going to be part of the playoff picture? You start talking about how you can maximize this time frame to set yourself up for the future. And that includes giving Bordalo some time as I hit my microphone. That includes giving Bordalo some time to get to the American League level at least and watch what he can do and see where his game is and get more of that evaluation because you need to evaluate and see where a guy is. You need to be able to look at what they can bring to the ice. You need to be able to look and see what their deficiencies are. That's what we've been doing all year long with the San Jose Sharks and the San Jose Barracuda. And yeah, you can make the argument that I'm giving myself things to be excited about to a certain extent, but yeah, you're right, I am. Because I do want to feel like we are building towards something. And I think a part of that is that just the certain point we're at in the Sharks' time frame is that there's certain guys who are not ready. 
guys that we hope are going to be change makers for the future. And one of those that I include is a Ryan Merkley. I do believe that he is going to be one of the guys that changes things going forward, but I also believe that he's not there yet. So I don't look at his performance right now and say, oh, this is his ceiling. I see that he is building towards his ceiling and that's how I'm going to judge Thomas Bordalo. And that's how I'm going to judge a lot of guys tonight as they go up against a very, very good Nashville team. How do they compare? How do these young guys look when going up against a team that's playoff bound? Or maybe not playoff bound as of yet, but they are one point ahead of Dallas and three points ahead of Vegas. It's a tight, tight race in there. There's a lot that can happen before the season ends. So Nashville has a hell of a lot to play for, and the Sharks are going to be in the way of that, trying to prevent them from getting that victory. And you judge these young players, you look at how they react and respond and play against a good team. Why would you want to judge it in any other way? You have to compare the team and the younger guys against a team that is headed to the playoffs. All right, we are out of time. That wraps it up for this edition of The Buildup. I will see you tomorrow morning on Morning Tide. For the San Jose Sharks, I'm Ted Ramey signing off.